Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit us on our website, www.themetalpit.org, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And we have a YouTube channel, which is at The Metal Pit 666 which is could be where you're listening to this podcast right now because I've started to put podcasts on the YouTube channel, just the audio. My guest today is Kenneth. This is your second episode with me. Kenneth, how are you today? I'm good, sir. How are you, my friend? Great. We're going to talk. Oh, our first podcast episode we did together was Anthrax Among the Living, which was 1980. What year was that? Uh, 1987, dude. 87. Okay. So we're going back two years before that, and we're going to do another thrash album, and we're going to do Exodus Bonded by Blood. Yes, sir. Which we will get to soon. But speaking of Bonded by Blood, today we are recording this on Father's Day. So I'm going to say, even though the episode won't appear till Wednesday, I'm going to say happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there that are living or that are past. Now, both our fathers have passed, and I thought we would just take a couple minutes to talk about, we're not going to talk about our lives with our dads. I mean, you can say anything you want, but mostly about whether what kind of music maybe they listened to, whether they influenced us at all or made us go the opposite way or whatever. So tell me about your dad and maybe the music that he used to listen to or whatever. Sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, my dad actually worked for uh, Yorkville Sound, and they made speaker cabinets. So my dad was uh, basically a a cabinet maker. He uh, was good with uh, uh, making cabinets and working with wood. So it was cool. Uh, So because he worked for this company, and they're still still, still around, but they've been around for, like, I think, well, over 40, 50 years, um, he basically met a lot of bands. So bands like... um, lighthouse april wine uh they used to come in and uh get speakers uh, made cabinets made for for their shows and for the for their tours and stuff like that so for me growing up i used to i would hear a lot of that kind of stuff so it's like more rock it's like heavy rock i mean i, I guess april wine is sort of more kind of rock hard rock vein yes very heavy um, so yeah, I used to hear a lot of bands like that with my dad uh, growing up, but my dad was also a huge Beatles fan. So that was the one of the things that I connected with him and I love the Beatles. So mm-hmm. uh, we had a connection there growing up with the Beatles. And uh, yeah, so yeah, my dad, my dad was a, a very, very uh, cool guy to, to grow up with, with when it comes to music. And it all goes by, you know, now with people getting into metal, like with their age and stuff, because when we were that age, well, there wasn't really heavy metal even going on when we were kids. I mean, necessarily like younger kids. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't going on. And then you might have older brothers. I know my older brothers listened to ACDC and Led Zeppelin. And so that at the time wasn't really heavy metal, even though it kind of was pioneers of it or some of the bands that were pioneers of it. But, you know, if you have if you're 30 years old today, then your dad probably got you into metal. Or again, if you had older very brothers and stuff like that. Very, very true. Very now, for me, I was I'm in my 50s. That's all I'll say. But <laughs> my dad definitely didn't listen to rock music or okay. anything like that. <laughs> 
he just listened to country music mostly. <clears throat> and so I would always remember hearing Charlie Pride and Conway Twitty and, uh, hmm, well, the mo- well, the one that I know the most is Johnny Cash. And I, John- yeah. Johnny Cash is like the only country artist that my dad used to listen to that I thought was cool, probably because he always wore black and, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe he didn't always wear black, but he wore black a lot, pretty which much. is funny because he was a pretty religious guy, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, he had some cool songs and you could see Johnny Cash kind of being maybe a metal guy. Actually, he did. He did a cover with Nine Inch Nails, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. 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 It's later on before his death. And he also before did. He, he also did a version of Soundgarden's Rusty Cage. Yes, he did. Or, is that is that a, that's a sound? Is that a Soundgarden original or is that somebody else's song? No, it's a Soundgarden original. Okay, so I'm not sure how Johnny Cash got into Soundgarden. (laughs) Well, I I think he was trying to do, like, just at the time to be hip, like, covering current songs when that album came out, if I remember correctly. Yes, that makes sense. So, yeah, so I don't, so I just remember in my, the house I grew up in, we had a pool table in the basement, we had an eight-track player, which tells people how old I am. And so when my dad was there playing with me, then of course we'd be listening to the Johnny Cash or Conway Twitty. But then when he would go let me play pool by myself, then I'd put in my April Wine eight tracks that you were just mentioning, <laughs> or ACDC or Aerosmith or the old Gatto and stuff like that. Some of the Gatto, Canadian yeah, bands yeah. that people probably aren't going to know <laughs> unless you're in Canada. Yep. So yeah, so that's so yeah, my dad never really influenced my music. And I think I was kind of afraid of my dad. I'm not going to get into all that. So I never even played. I didn't even want him to hear what I was listening to. (laughs) Yeah, I I I was afraid he wouldn't approve. But I'd always play it for my mom. And even though she didn't really care, (laughs) but (laughs) she would she would at least listen. (laughs) Yeah, my my dad would uh I remember when I first brought in Among the Living Home to listen to. My dad came in and remember me. He's like, "What the hell are you listening to? What is this stuff?" He didn't get it, but it was cool. He didn't like yell. He's just like, "This is crazy shit you're listening to." Now my dad did. Uh, my first concert I ever went to, I went. I didn't go with my dad or nothing, but I went with a friend. And my dad was coming to pick us up after the concert, so at least he did know where we were, where we were going or what we were doing. <laughs> What was the show that you went to? Do you remember the show? It was Twisted Sister Iron Maiden in 1984. Okay, cool. But see, I live in a small town between, let's say, well, I'm two hours from Toronto. And me and my buddy got a, there was a bus tour to go to Toronto to see us. We had to go to London. So we, or maybe my dad dropped us off and that was it. My dad did. He took us to London and dropped us off at the bus station where the bus tour was picking us up. There was two buses of heavy metal people going to Toronto to watch the show. So yeah, my dad did drive us there and drop us off. Nice. Well, that was cool he did that. Pardon? That was cool that he did that. Yes. And I think we were going to get my other friend's dad or something or mom to come get us after. So that was the deal. My dad took us there and somebody else is going to come get us after because we didn't have cars or nothing like that. So anyway, we took the bus tour and did all that. And then came back and just a quick little story here is we, we couldn't, what was it? Cause we had to call his, my friend's mom to tell her where we were. And we went into this mall and then, cause we were pretty new to London, Ontario too. London, Ontario is like 300,000 people at the time. It's bigger now, but we went into this mall and uh, I think his mom said, where are you? And we says, we don't know where we are. So we went back, <laughs> we went back out in the street to look at the street signs. 
and then the mall we couldn't get back in the mall was locked oh, man <laughs> so we couldn't get because oh, no. we had to use because there was no cell phones of course back then we were using a yeah. pay phones but we couldn't get yeah. back in so we walked back to the bus station and i don't remember what happened but we didn't bother trying to call his mom anymore we just saw a taxi and said hey will you drive us to saint mary's which is where we live which is like 40 minutes from london and he yep. said sure and it was like 20 bucks <laughs> yeah 20 bucks back then <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would, it would be a 75 or 100 bucks now probably easily yeah easily because he drove us back he drove us my friend lived in saint mary's which is where i live now and but i lived out in the country so another 10 minutes away from st mary's right so i asked the taxi i says will you drive me where i live is that where and he says sure and you don't have to give me any more money I went oh, okay oh, nice guy <laughs> so, so he drove me home and then he asked me how to get back to london i thought i don't know i don't drive <laughs> but i didn't know what the easiest way i said oh just take this road and then that'll take you to dundas street which is the main street in london turn right and that goes to london i'm sure there was easier ways to get there shorter ways yeah. but that's the only way i knew as a youngster that didn't have a driver's license or anything but anyway <laughs> that was just a little story <laughs> cool Okay, so we're going to talk about Exodus Bonded by Blood. Now, this is the debut studio album from Exodus. The album was actually completed in the summer of 1984, but wasn't released till 85 because of issues with the label and other stuff. This is one of the earliest thrash albums. I guess a Kill Em All from Metallica 83 is probably the first one, as far as I can tell. And then Dono Mercy from Slayer came out that year also. And I'm sure there was some in 84, but I didn't go back to look at all my history. But I know this is one of the albums that is one of the most influential thrash albums along with those two. Yeah. Now, this is the only studio album to feature Paul Bailoof, Bailoff on vocals. Hope I said that right. Yeah, Bailoff. And he did appear on one, he did return to the band in 87. I have that in here somewhere. And he recorded, he was the singer on a live album, but he never did another studio album because he was, I don't know if he was fired again or what went on there, but <laughs> supposedly he was fired just for musical differences. I'm sure there's more to it than that. But anyway, but I do like his vocals on this album, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, in 2008, they re re-recorded this album with the current lineup which had two original members, which is the drummer Tom Huntine and guitarist Gary Holt. And that album that was titled Let There Be Blood. And we talked about this before the podcast and I did give it a quick listen, but eh, it's not the same without no. singing. <laughs> no. And it's really unnecessary. I don't really understand why they did it. I don't really understand that. I don't. Like, I know you said that you don't like re-recordings of albums anyway. And no, what's no, the point? No. Especially a classic album. Like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I would agree. But anyway, I see one song that was planned for the album was called Impaler. But the original guitarist, Kirk Hammett, took the main riff with him to some little band he joined called Metallica. And it was used in their song Trapped Under Ice. Yeah. Now, the cover artwork has two pa two babies attached together, at least the original cover artwork. I'm not sure about now because I know they had two different covers. One just had colors and the band name on it. And then the one with the two babies, one being an evil baby, one being a good baby. But unlike Nirvana, these babies did not sue the band. <laughs> yeah. But that was the reason why that uh, why, why it was held up for more than a year. Was the, It was the artwork. 
that held oh, okay. it up. Okay, I did say that somewhere else too, yeah, but yeah, I wasn't the, sure. Yeah, it was the artwork that held it up. No, because it, they weren't sure they could do it, you mean? No, the, the label didn't like the image. The okay. Two conjoined twins. <laughs> they, took, they took offense to it. So that's the only reason why it was held up for more than a year. Okay. I don't know what it'd be like if they tried to release that now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know. Tight. We're more understanding of things. Yeah. <laughs> but people are offended by more things, too. So whatever. Well, the, art, the artwork was done by Richard Ferraro. Um he uh, he did the artwork. He only, he's actually only did two two metal albums. This one and a, for another band um, called Tension, which he did back in '89. Mm. So, um, I don't know much about the artist. I know that that's the two pieces that he did in terms of like music. Well, I like the cover, but I mean, it kind of it really goes with the lyrics and the music and stuff. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then and then in '89 when they reissued the album. Uh, they use the red, that kind of the red black design with with yes. just the logo on the front. So, so which, which is yeah. which, which kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but oh well. And then uh, oh, going back to Paul Bailoff again. He 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 joined Exodus because he came friends with Kirk Hammett as they met right. at some house party. I think it was I read. But he has now passed. He passed away in two thousand and two, over twenty years ago now, from a stroke. Yeah. And I guess he did appear on a few other albums or a few other groups albums, but I don't, I didn't make note of that. And I well, obviously it wasn't anything that I listened to when they did come out. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't really join another band after Exodus. He was in the scene. He was oh, okay. well known in the scene, but he never actually joined another band officially. Okay. From what I know. Okay. And uh, he was replaced for the next album by Steve Zetro Zuza, who previously sang on with Testament before they released anything, I believe. But yeah, he did do it when they were Legacy. Yeah, yes, when they're called the Legacy. And uh, oh, and they have released twelve studio albums, but one was the one that we recorded. So really, I would say eleven studio albums, and their last one was just out last year. That's right. Um, so when did you first hear Exodus or maybe this album? This is their first album, but did you hear this first or did you hear one of the other ones first? Um, I would have heard, I've heard this one first and it was not long after I started getting into Metallica that, cause it was kind of a gateway cause all those bands were kind of connected in some ways because of mm -hmm. ex players, people, especially that scene in California and, you know, that's out of California. Um, so I think for me, going back, I'm trying to remember correctly, you probably would have been around 85, 86 when I first heard, when I first heard about Exodus. So yeah, it was the first album, Bonded by Blood, um, that I would have heard most likely if I remember. It's been a while, but yeah, yes. I think 85 or 86 for me. And I'm even, I know that I, this is the first Exodus album I heard, but I can't remember why. I listened to it like because it could have been where they said, oh, Kirk Hammett from Metallica used to be in Exodus. So maybe that was like, bam, I got to get it. Or maybe I saw the yeah. cover and thought, bam, I got to get it. <laughs> so I can't recall that because I probably didn't have any videos going yet at that time yeah. that I can recall. So but I know this is the first Exodus album I heard. And I did like I mean, I liked the next the even when Zusa joined the band i still like the next album pleasures of the flesh i believe oh, that's a great album 
and the one after that also i also let oh shoot i also liked um fabulous disaster yes i I like those three a lot and i know over time they had a new uh they had that other singer i'm sorry i forget his name dukes yes i was never really into them much at that time well, just as a sidebar, um, Shovel Had a Kill Machine, which is the first album that Rob Dukes did, is actually pretty good. Like, it's really kick-ass. Yes. Uh, so that was the first one he did? Okay. Yeah, 2005. Now, he yes. was the roadie. That's where Rob came. Rob was actually oh. the roadie at the time. He was their guitar tech. So, um, Rob's okay. He's a bit. He's a bit of a one-note vocalist for my for my taste. I don't know. He's mm-hmm. not. He's not Paul Bailoff. Let's put it that way. Yes, I think I did like that album actually. Now that I think about it, but it's been a while since I've listened to it. Probably though. Yeah, but I remember has- seeing a live Exodus thing on TV somewhere, and I didn't really like his performances. All he was every song he's asking for the pit to get going and i'm thinking can you just can you just sing the songs they're gonna do that anyway (laughs) yeah but anyway but yes their last album was 2021 called persona non grata but i didn't really listen to that too much did you listen to that one much yep yeah i bought it and when it came out um it's all right it you know it has its moments i was i was hoping for more because uh when holt you know wasn't in the band for a while working with um slayer yes you figured he'd come back with a lot of uh, renewed interest in, in exodus but eh, it's all right it's some of their later stuff is meanders a bit for my tastes it's not um i don't mind it but the last two or three albums that they put out have been just been okay yes and it's hard like Obviously, I've said this before. I mean, you get used to hearing, especially if you've been listening to them since the start, and you hear Bonneville Blood, Flesh of the Flesh, Fabulous Disaster, whatever impact is imminent, even even the other ones. It may not be as good, as, but there's still some great songs on them. And then it's like, you know, you're 30 years, almost 40 years later with an album from last year, 35 years. And it's like, you know, what are they going to do that's going to make me think this is better than whatever bond of the blood or pleasures of the flesh it's and of course they're a lot older now than they were back then (laughs) absolutely i mean i will say that lee altis is a really good guitar player so when he joined the band after leaving heathen you know i mean they he's excellent but it's just they i don't know it's for me it's just it's okay but there's just something that's missing or lacking i'm not quite sure what it is yes It would be interesting if we if there was a way to know what would Exodus have sounded like if Kirk Hammond stayed in Exodus. Oh, that'd be interesting. You're right. What would be what would that be like? <laughs> and like, I don't know, because and how would Metallica? I mean, then Dave Mustaine would have to stay in Metallica, though. <laughs> well, you know the reason why uh, Hammett left uh, left Exodus is all because of um, Cliff Burton, because he he knew about Cliff Burton. When he was gigging with um, Exodus in the beginning, um, they he used to see Burton playing with uh, his band Trauma. Mm-hmm. So, from my understanding, he was always like found the guy curious. And the thing is, when the two actually met, what what uh, Kirk found out is that uh, uh, Cliff was a huge horror fan, like himself. Mm-hmm. So that's where they had a bond there. And then not long after that, he joined Metallica. He, he basically bolted from Metallica. Yes. Now it would be like since this album was really 
like Kill 'Em All came out in 83, Show No Mercy 83, and this was recorded in 84, but didn't come out till 85. I was also right. thinking this today, but what would happen if this came out before Kill 'Em All? Well, that's like, a big debate, right? Yeah. Like, like, a lot of people say that this album, they would have been included in the big four, most likely if, if it came out before, but unfortunately it didn't. Yes. Yes, I know. I read where they're probably the big, they would be the fifth if there was a big five, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, along with Testament. You know. Yes, but I even think, I think I like this album better than Kill 'Em All, but of course Kill 'Em All started it. And so I'm sure they got some stuff from that. And, but yes, if I had to rate this, I would put this one above Kill 'Em All, but I wouldn't put it above like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. No, no, <laughs> technically no, but I think lyrically it's a lot stronger than, uh, you know, than Kill 'Em All, if you want my honest yeah. opinion. Yes. Okay, before we talk about lyrics, let's just start sure. talking about the album then. Absolutely. So it starts with Bonded by Blood, which uh, has a little airplane sound at the start. I'm not really sure what that is about. <laughs> but when after that, it just explodes into thrash madness. And really, yeah. it barely stops, except for one 40-second part, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> and I think they use the lyrics one of the bang uh say murder in the front row is one of the lines and there was a documentary made using that title and a book. Murder in the front row and a book a book, came book. Out as well. yes. yeah no, i have the book and it's a great documentary it's been a while yep. since i watched it but it's so it's everything that i was listening to that's on it pretty yep. much like and they're talking about tape trading and talking about Kerrang magazine and pen pals in the magazines. And that's what I did too. And like, so it's just so me, that documentary. So if you haven't seen that documentary, make sure you watch it. Especially, no, I've, I've seen it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great documentary. <laughs> yes. But if you don't like thrash, you probably shouldn't watch it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. For all those really, maniacs out there. Yeah. That's really what it is. Absolutely. And, see, and uh, this, uh, According, okay, I was going to mention, I mentioned this in the last few podcasts, but I've been checking out stat.fm, which mm-hmm. gives you, or setlist.fm, sorry, which gives you people's uh, submit their set lists that they hear in concert. So any of the numbers I mentioned about that are only as good as the people that sent them in and that the website that organized them. But according to that, this album is... The song, first of all, Bonded by Blood, is the song they've played the most live. And this album has been played twice as much as any other album they have. Now, of course, it was their debut album, so they have a whole tour where they're only playing these songs. Of course. Still, it's been played twice as much as any other album. (laughs) So what do you think of the song, Bonded by Blood? Um, It's it's a pretty strong song. Um, It's got a lot of killer riffs right right off the bat in it, for my taste. Um, it's obviously the song that for me it's it's like an anthem almost because it's like oh we're here we're exodus and we're gonna kick your ass on that stage and I heard that uh, Baloff on a lot of those early performances he was insane he was an insane vocalist like on the stage he'd be like swinging around his fists yeah I hear I hear he was like a a total maniac from from the uh, from the get-go so first first song strongest one of the strongest on the album yes and it's a well it's a great way to start of course (laughs) and it really tells you what's to come really now this song like this song bond it's kind of 
you know, their songs are either about violence or metal. It seems on this album. Actually, satanic. There's there's a large and, there's a large uh, yes. element of the Satanism and uh, sacrificing your to virgins and. <laughs> but we'll get to that because there's a couple that I'll mention. Yes, and then we go into the title track. Like, or not the title track, sorry. The song named after the band, Exodus. Yeah. And what do you think of Exodus, the song? Again, it, it's strong. Um, it's probably equally as... I, you know, I, I can't say there's any... There's not a bad track on this album. Again, a lot of killer riffs. And I've, I've noted or read a lot that people were saying this album is just full of... Chock full of riffs. And yes. the, riffs, the riffs on this song are actually probably the strongest I, I felt out of all the tracks for me. Yes, personally, and the the lyrics aren't very nice, as they do say, "kick in your face and rape and murder your wife." But <laughs> yeah, but you know, kids, kids, they'll say things because they were probably kids when they made this, or almost are just becoming adults. I guess I didn't look up their ages, but but uh, anything else to add on that song? Um. No, it's just it's a dark song. I I just think it's a dark song. They they had a really kind of a pissed off dark attitude with with the majority of the lyrics on this album. So yeah, you could see it right off the bat in the first two songs. Yes, and then and then the third song is called "And Then There Were None," and this one's uh I would say it's a little slower than the first two. But when I say slower, I'm talking Exodus slower, not there's no nothing there's no ballads or anything like this we're not no, getting that no. slow but it's just a little slower pace they're not playing as fast as they can they're playing at 80 percent instead of 100 percent, i guess and of course this song is really about the end of the world from war and of course as you mentioned satan is mentioned in this song and there's a great satan growl in this song too or i don't know if it's a satan growl but that's what it sounds like to me anyway what do you yeah. think yeah um this is the, the vocals are where i think stand out the most on the song and obviously like he had a vocal style that's almost bordering on being early death metal or proto death metal time mm-hmm. um, so i, I kind of compare him a little bit to uh, jeff becerra from possessed very similar although not as harsh but he had this really high shriek um in his voice that really really gives a, a much more melodic feel here than on what you would get, say, on uh, Possessed, which is almost, I think, more death metal than thrash. But here, it, it's it's very unique for me. And I that was when I really noticed it, like, wow, he he just, oh, wow, it's incredible shrieking sound with those vocals. That's what, that's a big standout for me on the song. Mm-hmm. And I love the growl he does do. And that is yeah. like, a sounds like a death metal thing, like you say. Yeah. But of course, death metal probably wasn't invented then yes <laughs> so you wonder if he would have been a death metal singer if he knew that was coming <laughs> oh it's possible i i think his style his vocal style is suited more to that that style of, of sound yeah me, personally i think he would have easily been like for example if he was been singing in possessed i think it would have worked yeah like, i think he would have been perfect along in, in possessed and also, I forgot the man, Bonded by Blood, the song, that's their song they've played live the most times, according to right. the set this website. Okay. And this one is actually their eighth most played song, that one. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, it's, I can see that. And then we go to 
their fifth most played live song, A Lesson in Violence, which uh, well, I'll let you talk first on the song. Yeah, this uh, the song is pretty strong. Again, what I what I pick out of it is the, the very, very harsh vocals. I mean, again, it's almost close to being death metal in my mind. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I'm almost getting out of all these songs. It's like, whoa, they have a really, really serious tone. And I'm convinced if this album came out before um, Kill Em All, I think, yeah, that would have been a lot different because Metallica didn't have that kind of same, I guess, that same bite. Like, their songs were cool. Yeah, but yeah. This, but this, these guys, Exodus, their, their bite, the songs themselves, like, they were really pissed off. It's what you can tell by yes. all the songs. So pissed off. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the lyrics are more... Yes, more pissed off than I mean, Metallica had some aggressive lyrics, but yeah, they weren't into saying, you know, like murdering your wife and stuff and that other song. <laughs> Beloff wrote this song. He he's the sole lyricist on this song as well. Mm, yes, and or did I mention? Oh, and yeah, that when I what I first wrote down about this song is like this song is a lesson in thrash, not just violence. Yep. <laughs> but yes, yeah. it engulfs everything this album is about. I mean, a bunch of these songs all engulf the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. killer solos, speed, riffs, and, you know, lyrics about violence, of course, because this is a lesson in violence. Absolutely. And I did mention that, yes. Okay, and then we go to Metal Command, and we can guess what this song is about. <laughs> it's yeah. about metal, of course. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, the one song that he didn't write, actually, believe it or not. Okay. I didn't check out all that information, but I love that they have a wall of sonic lyrics, a wall of sonic sound with amps turned up to 10. That sounds like Manowar there, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's not it's not the one song. I, I think it's an okay song. Um, I don't know. I could I could actually skip it, to be honest. Yeah, I read somewhere else where they just said this is I mean, it's just another like it's hard there's a space between songs but some of them it's just like bam fast as you can you know this song's not about violence it's about metal and putting your fists in the air and thrashing everywhere yeah (laughs) or whatever exactly and then i just the other night i was watching piranha 3d the horror movie or kind of horror movie i love that yeah i love that movie it's great and, and this song should have been played during every attack by the Piranha, because, of course, this song is called Piranha. Yes, sir. You got it. And it's <laughs> interesting lyrical con- content again by Baloff, actually. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like, uh, obviously, the song is it's a Piranha. It's about, about Piranhas, which I think is interesting, because what, what thrash metal band would write a song about Piranhas? Which <laughs> you wouldn't think when you think about it, but... <laughs> yes but, um, writing a song about fish <laughs> exactly but demonic fish because if you read those lyrics it's almost like it's a demonic they sort of equate the idea of a piranha as a demonic force that can't be stopped mm-hmm. it's just ravage savage and the whole song and even with the riffs like the, the riffs are really strong a lot of galloping a galloping chug for me mm-hmm. and, then, and it's so strong and it's perfect. It's a perfect song for for uh, Baloff to write. I think it just, yeah, that has a lot of, pardon the pun, but it has a lot of bite. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, 
But yeah, if you're going to watch that movie, Piranha 3D, if you've never seen it before, make sure you listen to the song first. (laughs) Or maybe play this during each time that the Piranha in the movie are attacking. Yep. Now, maybe not Piranha 3D, because that was a little bit... (laughs) (laughs) Nice But anyway, yes, it's just a coincidence (laughs) that I watched that movie the other night and then... Yeah, well, it's so like funny. the people that watch, that made the movie listen to the song. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you never know. <laughs> you just never know. Maybe they did. Okay, then we get to the song called No Love. And this is why there's a song with the word love in it. Yeah, And then it starts off with a 40-second, almost 40-second acoustic guitar intro. And you're thinking, what the hell? They're already selling out or what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> And it's a pretty, it's even, I can even say the word pretty. It's a pretty acoustic guitar <laughs> opening. And it Fluffy. could every like it could be on a Led Zeppelin album. <laughs> yep. Yep. But of course, after the 40 seconds, you just get back to Exodus and there you are again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Dark song, all about sacrificing to Satan. It's pretty much the song. It's pretty nasty. And again, Baloff wrote this song. So you could see where his mindset was at the time when he was writing songs for Exodus, like he really, he has a real, real deep sense of uh, dark darkness about him. <laughs> well, maybe that's why he kicked out of the band. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe he was too, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but. Well, from what I heard, it's uh, drug use and he was always drunk on stage. That was, <laughs> that was another reason why they let him go. Yeah. For that reason. But yeah, it's a, it's an it's another not as fast as some of the other songs kind of song, mm-hmm. but, but it's you know it's another eighty percent speed of Exodus or whatever. But yes, it is. A, it was kind of a shocking little acoustic guitar opening, and it sounds so nice. It's like, geez, they could make a ballad if they would play. Maybe not with the singer, but <laughs> with the guitar yeah. part there, it was pretty cool. I think they did it on purpose, dude. A fluffy opening. And then you get hit with the wall with, with the wall of violence. <laughs> yes, and it's not it says love in the title, but of course it says no love. So yeah, no love there. Nope. Then we go to <laughs> yes, love for Satan, but I guess they didn't want to be merciful fate and say something <laughs> like that. No. <laughs> Even though they probably would if merciful fate, I guess merciful fate was around then, weren't they? They did have an album. Yeah, they would they would have been around yeah. at that time, yeah. Maybe they didn't want to steal. <laughs> Then we go to Deliver Us to Evil, which is a seven-minute thrash song. And you would kind of think, okay, a seven-minute thrash song, there must be an acoustic opening to this one, or there must be a part in the middle where they slow down like they do in Master of Puppets or something. But no, it's just seven minutes of Exodus thrash. Yep. Very nihilistic, again, with those lyrics. And for me, the what I liked about this is that this is Balob saying... A reign of terror will begin. Deliver us to evil. We promise death, world's end. Well, I mean, you can't get anything better than that. That's like, that's huh, what a song. What a song. Eight minutes, almost an eight minute song. Yes. And they have played this one 208 times live, which is more than like they've done No Love 121 times. And right. Piranha was a pretty high one. It was the sixth most live song they've played. Metal Command was 250, so, but it's probably seven minutes. That's probably why they don't play it as much as maybe some of the other ones. Possibly. I don't know. Okay. And then we finish with Strike 
of now uh, the original release anyway, because that's what we're talking about. They finished with Strike of the Beast. Yeah, what do you think Strike of this one? This is their this is the strongest song on the album for me. Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it's it's basically well, obviously the song's about about it's it's kind of a, a horror, an like an ode to horror films. Yes. So like basically the song evokes the idea of terror and suspense, and which you which you get as a trope in most horror movies. Because basically the, the the whole point of the song is that he's being chased by a winged demon or a demonic creature that's chasing and hunting him down. Now. I wanted to make this point. Now, I, I, I don't, I, I know it's just a wild statement on my part, but I almost kind of felt in my mind that this song is very much inspired by Richard Ramirez, the uh, the night, the night stalker serial killer in LA, mm-hmm. uh, because he was killing people between eighty four and eighty five. And the thing about Ramirez is that when he was out dispatching people, he thought of himself as turning into a demonic beast mm-hmm. with wings. So I almost I don't I've never I wasn't able to find any further research if that's where they they got the song from, but uh, I often wonder it was if if that's where they took it from. But that's pr- pretty much my favorite song on this whole album for me personally. I just think it's a great song from opening to end. And it is a great closer, of course, too. Yes, yes. And and yes, you can definitely feel that it's like a horror, like it is about violence. Now it not going by what you said where maybe it was related to the a serial killer but yeah. they do try to mention beast and stuff so yeah it is kind of like a horror movie it's about violence but it's more of uh not a you know your neighbor killing people it's uh whatever <laughs> yeah being killed by a, this winged demon or some yeah. kind of demonic yeah. force that can't be stopped more yes that's, that's what what the song's about and this song is the second one they've played the most live, actually. I'm not surprised. Only like 20 behind Bonded by Blood. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. For, I think it's the strongest song on the album for me, for my taste. Just- I think my uh, my favorite would be Piranha. Mm-hmm. And probably, yeah, Bonded by Blood and Strike of the Beast would be right, like, right there for second and third or whatever. Yes. Yeah, they're all now what would you okay so now like i said that was the original release i'm sure they have re-releases like on your streaming services they have live songs and stuff but we're not going to talk about that so what would you give this album at a 10 uh i gave it an 8 out of 10 um i liked it Uh, it's like it's it's not perfect um it's a fun album to listen to although it you you could get bored of it after a while because it's pretty much unrelenting from the same from beginning to end um but i I give it an out of 10 it's a strong first start for the band uh i think the lyric the lyrics are what i i'm really attracted to but uh i don't know if they could actually continue on making albums with paul baloff after that because you know this kind of style would i don't know i'm not too sure if it would if it would have worked for them long term Mm -hmm. but it's hard to say it's hard to say mine but i'm giving it an eight out of ten and how would you compare it to like the next couple albums, like Pleasures of the Flesh, Fabulous Disaster? Would you like it more than those or less than those? Or um, is there I, something? I think lyrically, they they got better. They got better as a band um, for me. Fabulous Disaster is one of my one of my favorite uh, albums that they put out. Mm-hmm. Um, the the next yeah the next three albums I think were stronger with a stronger lyrical content, and they moved away from the kind of the uh, sacrificing virgins and. <laughs> 
Ode to Satan and all that stuff, they moved away from it. So they weren't, they were kind of more in a Slayer vibe in the beginning. But yes. I think once once Baloff left the band, I think they their their sound was a bit more refined, and they obviously went in a more I don't know so interesting direction, but less less about yeah I, I guess less about those dark lyrics for me. Yes, and on their on Fabulous Disaster, they had a song about a dance. That's right, <laughs> the Toxic Walls, which is a great song, which was played on M- I think it was uh, what MTV at the time. It was it's a huge song. Yes, I, I don't know. Maybe that was their first video, possibly. I'm not sure. I don't remember if they had a video on Fabulous or on uh, the second uh, Pleasures of the Flesh. I'm not really sure. I can't recall. Anyway, I don't think. Not that I can remember. So that might have been their first video, too. And yeah, I, I remember seeing that. And they just had a bunch of friends and stuff jumping around <laughs> in the mosh pit and stuff. And then you can't forget Lowrider, which is also like the, the Lou Reed song, which yes. <laughs> they covered. It's like, oh, that's unusual because you wouldn't have heard that on the first album. No. And I actually I knew that song, too, before I heard Exodus do it, because yeah. sometimes you get some. And I'm not sure why, probably because I used to get KTEL records. You know what KTEL okay. records are? Yeah, I remember KTEL records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to get them, them at Christmas. And it's like, I think that's where Lowrider was on it. <laughs> Because I don't think I ever listened to any other song by War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By Lil Rider. Yeah, it's a good song. And Cajun Hell is a good song on there. Oh, and Cajun Hell is good. I had your little frogs going off and yeah. <laughs> and verbal razors and open season. Yeah. Yes, that's a great album too. It, it would be a tough to yes, that's one of my favorites, Fabulous Disaster. But yeah, anyway, I would give uh, Bonded by Blood. I get I'd give it a nine, I guess, is what I'm nine? saying. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking 10, but then I did think about a couple, like, like you say, a lot of them are just like, they're the same songs or just, you know, different riffs, different solos, but you know, it's one speed pretty much. There's like two speeds of the album, semi-fast and fast. (laughs) That's that's true. Now, have you ever seen Exodus uh, live before? Oh yeah. I've seen them live with uh, Megadeth back in 2004. So this was uh, just, Zetra was still in the band. This is just before he left again. And then they brought in Rob Dukes. So Mm -hmm. it was a pretty, pretty, pretty solid show. They were, they were extremely loud and that wall of sound just blew you away. I was, I was at the front of the stage. Like, my God, I couldn't hear for days. It was just (laughs) relentless, relentless live. Now I don't, Trying to remember, I don't think I've ever seen them live. I can't recall if I have. I think I was supposed okay. to maybe mm-hmm. like back five or something years ago. I think they were supposed to play with Testament, but I think for some reason they didn't play. I can't recall anyway ever seeing them live. I don't think, which is okay. weird. I've, I've, yeah, I've only them, seen but... them one time. Yeah. Okay, so that's it with there. But now we're gonna do so. Like the most recent podcast, we've been doing our top 10 albums from the year. So we get to see where this album that we're talking about fits in our top 10 or if it even fits at all. Because 1985 was a pretty good year for metal. Yep. And I'm going to let you go first and you can start at your number 10 and work your way to number one. And you can say a little about each album if you want. You don't have to. If you want to say something, you can. Sure. All right. So my number 10 is uh, Yngwie Malmsteen's Marching Out. Because uh, I I love the I love the guitar work and 
I was a big Sat- Saturani fan. So when this album came out, I was like, whoa, huge guitars. Love it. I love that album. Um, and then in my, we'll go to my number nine, which is uh, Creator's Endless Pain. One of, the, one of the most unrelenting thrash albums for the time when that album came out. So if we're talking like thrash, you got to have a creator. They were, it's, it, it never lets up. It never, ever lets up. Very primitive, but for me, it's uh, one of those albums that I like. Sorry, what was the album t- title, right. did you say? Uh, Endless Pain, Creator. Okay. So I did have an, I had License to Kill, which I don't remember what year it was, but I never really listened to Creator, except for that album that I got, because I okay. heard a lot about them. But I never really got into Creator myself. Much. Oh, they're one of my, one of my favorite bands. I, I love Creator. And then uh, number eight. Um, I'm picking a Razor album, so actually I'm picking okay. Evil Invaders. Uh, okay. Now, I mean, for me, uh, I had a couple of buddies who were really into Razor, and I wasn't at the time, but they kept on asking me, yeah, listen to this album, listen to this album. So I did, and it grew on me. So I actually like Evil Invaders, actually. So it's my number eight. Um, my number seven is Overkill's Field of Fire. Again, I was a huge Overkill fan, so like... Mm-hmm. Their first album is still pretty strong in my mind. Um, number six, of course, it's Slayer's Hell Awaits, which again is another, you know, bonafide, powerful hit album for those guys. It's their start of their huge career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number number five, um, I have Megadeth's Killing is My Business. I like this album a lot. It, it in terms of their discovery, it's not one of the it's not one of the ones I remember entirely, but I, I didn't mind it. There's a bunch of songs that I actually did did enjoy from from their first album. Yes. And number four, uh, Motley Crue's Theater of Pain, one of those mm. albums that I just absolutely loved uh, from start to finish. Um, it was yeah, I just I was in high school, I had that album and totally loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, number three is uh, of course Celtic Cross's To Megatarian which uh, oh. I was a huge Frost fan. Love that album. Love that album. And I know most people will say that is their, their best album ever. Or their That's the only album. album I own of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I own all their albums. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my absolute favorite albums. And number two for me is uh, Wasp, Last Command. I mm-hmm. love this album to death as well. I bought it when it came out. I remember going to a Records, picked it up, <laughs> blew me away. I love that song. I love that album to death. I'm Blind in Texas. Oh, what a great song. What a great, great song. Every song in that album is, is uh, fantastic for my Yes. Mind. Love it. And then my number one, of course, it's going to be Destruction, Infernal Overkill. One of the bands that I was introduced to in high school, a couple of my buddies were into, were into Overkill. I've never heard of them at, the, at that time. And then it was like, hey, we got Overkill. And when I heard that, I was blown away. It blew me right away. at sheer aggression. From start to finish, and if you want an album that's unrelenting, it's probably as unreal, even more so than uh, the first, uh, the Exodus album, Bonded by Blood. But okay, yeah. and Bonded, it didn't even make your top ten. Sorry, Bonded by Blood didn't even make your top ten. It actually would be my top ten, but I, but, <laughs> but I figured since we're doing the a top ten, I just pulled up ten albums. <laughs> and then for good. honorable. Honorable mentions, just real sure. quick. Um, yeah, possessed seven churches, uh, dark angel. That that's that's one of my one of my favorite bands. 
and I know you mentioned not doing the live albums, but I, I still have to mention Live After Death. It's still, to me, <laughs> I bought it when it came out, and that album still blows me away. I, I know it's not part of the criteria here, but I, yes. have, to I have to mention it. Well, yeah, I saw I saw that that album came out that year, so I did make a note of telling you don't pick yeah. a live album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, I knew we were going to mention it anyway because the the first two, the one that I mentioned, I saw like I mean, Twist and Scissor. That's what it was, a live after death tour. So yeah. yes, it's a special live album for me too, just for that sense because that's the first tour that I've seen them play. So yeah, yeah. So yes, and I know that is lots of people's favorite live album, heavy metal album, or. And Iron Man has so many live albums, but I think that is their <laughs> best one. Yep. Okay, so my top 10 here, I'll, maybe I'll mention a few honorable mentions first. I had two, like uh, Razor had two albums that year. I actually, I think I like Execution or Song better just because the song Take This Torch, I just love that song. <laughs> okay. But that's on that one. But yes, yeah, so they had two albums out that year. Then there's a few Canadian bands in here. Thor at an album, Only the Strong, Helix, Long Way to Heaven, Kickaxe, Welcome to the Club, and probably nobody's ever heard of Kickaxe, hardly, unless you're Canadian. And yes, Overkill was one of mine. I have my I have Killing as my business as an honorable mention. I just didn't get it in my top 10. Ravenhead Stay Hard. And I really like Rat's first album. And then Invasion of Your Privacy was her second album. And I still liked it, but not good enough to make it and of grim reapers fear no evil also came out that year oh yes yeah that that's a good album now i think we only matched about three or four here so i'll go okay. number 10 i got another canadian band exciter long live aloud nice their second album because i really loved Exciter. i mean i love the fact that there was canadian groups <laughs> playing yeah. thrash and i know if they were an American band, they would have been just as big as Exodus and Metallica and all these bands. But since they're in Canada, I think they're a little held back because of that. But yes, I love that album. Number nine, I have, I have, I guess this is hair metal. I don't know how do I have a hair metal album on my top 10 list, <laughs> but it's Dawkins under lock and key. Oh, no, that's funny. I was going to put, that was actually one I was <laughs> going to put on my list because I love that album too. But yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of lame songs in there, of course, that you always get from these hair metal bands that I don't want to hear. But some of the songs like Lightning Strikes or whatever, they're just awesome. And you still have yeah. good a guitarist George Lynch is and stuff like that. So yeah, so it made the cut. Cool. Number eight, I got Slayer, Hello Waits, just like mm -hmm. you had Slayer. Seven, I got Wasp, The Last Command. Cool. I did love the first two wasp albums for sure and yes blind in texas i have a single of that somewhere here vinyl single blind nice. in texas <laughs> and animal was probably a b-side on from that album i think it was actually i'm not sure if it was that album animal? i think it was or was that maybe that was the first album i can't remember it doesn't matter number six i got halloween's first album walls oh. of jericho nice because i love halloween and even though now they had an EP out before this one, but in the same year. And the four songs that were on the EP are on Walls of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, but it's more raw power metal than they than they turned out to be. Like Keeper Seven Keys, they were a lot more melodic power metal, but this was more raw. And probably if people listen to it, they might not even think it's Halloween in a way. 
<laughs> Number five, I got Trouble, The Skull, which is their oh, second album. Great album. And if nobody in trouble, of course, back then they were doom and kind of sounded like Black Sabbath, except they talked about heaven and God instead of hell and the devil. <laughs> yeah, reverse. But but I I don't care about what they're saying as long as the music's good and I love Trouble. I still love every album, Trouble album I think they had. I think I love it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, number four. I got Ingve Malmsteen also. No, I wrote down. Why did I write down Rising Force? I don't know why I wrote that down, but it's called Marching Out. Yeah, Marching Out. Yeah, great album. But yeah, I'll see the light tonight and uh, mm-hmm. Disciples of Hell and like because this date because that's the second album because the debut album only had two songs with lyrics on it, which is fine. I like instrumental music too, but it yeah. was you know it was this classical upbringing and the guitar playing more on that one so this was a big one and yeah i really loved it now number three is something that i maybe you've never even heard this before because this is a hard to find group this the group was called usa warrior oh i know them i know them. okay (laughs) i do know them actually and the album is called fighting for the earth yeah and i have that album oh okay now i don't like i tried because i was Cause it's not on Spotify. They don't have this album on Spotify. They only have the song fighting for the earth on some compilation album. So yeah. I don't understand that, but I asked somebody that uses iTunes and he said, Oh, it's on there. And he said, they have four albums. I, I only knew them having one because <laughs> I never heard from them again. I think they changed their name just to warrior. Yeah. But, they eventually became warrior. That's right. But I see they do. They had four albums, but I never heard anything else. But I love this album. I played it all the time. Cool. And I'm not even sure because I did look through all my stuff that I have. I don't have it on vinyl and I have it on a burn CD. I don't know how I have it on a burn CD. (laughs) I can't remember, but it's on a burn CD. I don't even have the thing. So I'm sorry, USA Warrior. I guess I didn't buy your album, but I really like it. (laughs) I I found it used actually uh, like years ago. But uh, yeah, I got a used CD for that. But it's great. That's a good album. But yeah, I love that album. Cool. But I know there's going to be a lot of people who never heard of them before. True. And number two, I'm surprised they didn't make your list, but I got Anthrax, Spreading the Disease. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was going to put that on my list. Um, I, I like the album, but it, uh, yeah, it's a, I, yeah, I, I probably, I totally missed that. I should have had it on my list, but. Well, that's I okay. It's a little less. It wasn't so much thrash that one. It was heavy though, but it wasn't as thrashy as it got with Among the Living. True, true. But, but then, but my yeah, list could like, I'm sure your list could change too from day to day. You could, yes, yes. Sure. List tomorrow that would be totally different. Now, my number one is well, I have to have Exodus, or that would mean be, both of us didn't even have the album that we're talking about. So, yes, I do have <laughs> Exodus Bonded by Blood as my number one. Is but yes, it's pretty close. Like I told you before we did this, that I had 28 albums, I had to narrow it down to 10, <laughs> and I knocked a few off. But then it was like, okay, I'm putting Exciter and Darken at the bottom, and it's like, where am I gonna put Slayer and Wasp and Halloween and Trouble? <laughs> so, yes, those top eight or whatever it could probably change day by day to what order they're really in yeah that's what i would say i'm the same i could change it every day yes so there we go i think we're done and we're close to an hour i think um anything else you wanted to add about exodus or 1985 maybe 1985 was a really good year for music it was the start of uh i guess really the start of this thrash scene 
based on the albums that we mentioned, especially on the German side, because I was really big on the German side. So, you know, you're, you already have like Destruction, Creator, Sodom was in there. I think Tankard as well was on the, on its way too. So uh, they didn't probably get as much airplay here in the States and in Canada, but, you know, um, I was aware of those bands at the time. So yeah, I, I think for me, '85 was the start of the was the start of the the thrash scene in general, like more of an, on an international level. Yes, I mean, yeah, there was a lot. Like Artillery had an album, and yep. and Hyrax, which I never listened to, but I know I seen them in that documentary you talked about earlier. I think they were in that a lot. Except yeah. had a good album that year, Metal Heart. Yeah, and I think Saxon had an album that year. They did, yep. And Sabotage had their debut album, I think, Power of the Night. Uh, Sod was also came out that year. Yes, and oh, Sodom was just an EP by Sodom, but no, no, Sod, you know. uh, Oh, yes, but yeah, I'm just saying also Sodom, right? Right, and uh, that oh, SOD, the thing that Scott Ian was in, I can't remember who else was in it, but well, Billy Milano was also in that, Speak English or Die. that that was out that year too oh striper we missed striper we don't have striper yep. in a top 10 i know list. i know i know <laughs> and armored saint that's the other one i i sort of wanted to put in my list i did I have that up. i did have that striper album but now i would never mm-hmm. list. okay <laughs> yeah what about so, lizzie borden Were you soldiers I, n- I never listened to lizzie borden much i always really? knew the name because of the horror movie kind of thing there but i yeah, never really yeah. listened to them too much i did i liked their i liked their stuff quite a bit and uh this is the year that david lee roth left van halen too yep absolutely <laughs> and he had his first ep crazy from the heat but i don't really think i i like david lee roth by himself yeah. when of course steve i was a guitarist <laughs> because yeah. he helps any band be better back then anyway this is also, I guess this is also the year that Twisted Sisters D. Snyder testified at the Parents Music Resource Center thing at the yep. Senate. That was and, a big, that was a big time. Yes. And he stood up for us metal people. Not that Absolutely. We are. And he proved that he wasn't just a, like an airhead. He actually had something to say. Blew them away. <laughs> yes. And his ripped jeans and long <laughs> hair. but anyway okay so i guess that's it uh i'll remind everybody about our website www.themetalpit.org please uh follow our podcasts and if you're on youtube uh you know subscribe and click whatever like to the videos and everything we don't have a lot of videos there but we plan on getting more interviews and more stuff there so thanks kenneth for joining me tonight no problem sir thanks for having me i appreciate it it's always fun and, to talk about thrash metal. Yes. And so if you don't know who Exodus is, <laughs> but you probably do, but go by Bonded by Blood. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>